Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. Well, good morning, Riverwood, and there's a lot more you could hear about Zachariah from the Bible Project people. They do great work. I encourage you to go online and listen to the rest of that about Zachariah. But let me just start off by telling you a story. So a couple weeks ago, there we were, our whole missions team. As you know, as a church, our high schoolers, some adults went with the high school group down to the Gatlinburg area. So there we are on a Monday morning heading out to the first place that we would be serving. And so we were there in the blazing heat of Tennessee pulling up, and there it is. There is a, a warehouse. It's called Live It Ministries. And so it is in Seymour, Tennessee. And what they have on their property is twofold. They have a thrift store and a coffee shop that then allows them the opportunity to then do ministry in the area. And there is a ton of need in that area. And so they have groups come down and help them accomplish big projects so that they can then do more ministry in the area. So there we were. We pull up, all 36 of us, and the job for us to do was this, uh, for some of us. So we had a number of things to do, but this was one of them. That looks like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Resealing a parking lot. So we're resealing this ginormous um, parking lot and then trying to figure out how to paint lines onto it and all of that. And so they go around and they're asking, okay, who has experience with this? (laughs) None of us. And they're like, oh, that's okay. Because all you need to do is just read the directions on the can. So you get to the can, you start reading, and for some reason, I had been put in charge of kind of the project of the parking lot. I think everybody kind of stepped back as I was standing there, and I was like in charge. So you look at the directions, and the directions are basically three sentences, a sentence about stir it, a sentence about dump it out, and a sentence about spread it around. And so that was about it. And so there we were, the blazing sun, I'm in charge, and I'm thinking to myself, how are we ever going to accomplish this? It's very overwhelming. Huge parking lot. How are we ever going to get to the end of this project with these people doing this work? How are we going to do that? And so it is this metaphor that I start with this morning, because I think all of us have moments, and maybe you're experiencing one this morning, where you are living life, and there are circumstances, and you are thinking to yourself, how am I going to do this? You're overwhelmed. Maybe even thinking, now what? What has God put me in the middle of? It's daunting. It's huge. And you're struggling to know even like, what is the, what is the first step, let alone the second or the third? And we have these moments in all of our lives as individuals. And we even have these moments corporately as a church. Daunting moments where we're overwhelmed and we're thinking, oh, what are you doing, Lord? And how do we take the next step forward. If that describes your heart, then you are in the exact place you need to be this morning. Because 
the words of Zechariah, this minor prophet in the Old Testament, these words have been ordained for you to hear in this moment that are going to speak to your heart. I truly believe that. And that is why we have gathered. For all of us who, who find ourselves in moments of overwhelming life and wondering now what, Zechariah has something to speak to us this morning. So if you have your Bible, let's open up, let's see the words together, let's, let's see what these verses are, and to see what the Lord has for us. And as you are turning, uh, we begin with just kind of setting the context. Every week we, we set the context of where we're at in history, and we have this, this bookmark, we have them out at the counter, but we've been going through all of these 12 uh, minor prophets this summer. This is number 11, one more next week. But we find ourselves on the back half here, uh, right after the people have come out of exile. So if you look at the timeline, there was a united kingdom, it split, and then the Assyrians took over in Israel, a little bit longer, the Babylonians took over Judah, sent them into exile, now they are back! And so Haggai, last week we talked, Josh talked about that, and now this week, Zechariah. But before we go, I just want to see you, uh, let you see like where historically even, uh, as you read the first two verses of these books, like if you get to Haggai, this is uh, how it starts. In the second year of Darius, the sixth month. And then when you get to Zechariah, if you open up to the first verse, it says, in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius. And so now you can see these books are very close together. Two months later, that's how really this book could start out from Haggai. Two months later, the people are still wandering around, still trying to figure out this daunting task of rebuilding this temple of God. How do you do that? And not only that, they're trying to just hang on. Like, how do we survive? How do we eat? How do we take care of ourselves? How do we defend ourselves? The basic necessities of life, they were disheartened. They were overwhelmed, depressed, maybe even a little apathy working in. Sound familiar to any of us? Those things happen. But for Zechariah, there was an even greater challenge, an even greater what I call uh, parking lot moment that he was addressing, because all of those things are on the exterior, which are important, but Zechariah wants to go to the really hard place this morning, the heart. How do you, how do you deal with the heart in the midst of all of these difficult things so that hearts won't grow distant, hearts won't be jaded, hearts won't turn away from the Lord. How can this ever be accomplished? Like when life is overwhelming, how do you take that first step? And so the question, really, for all of us is this question. What steps do we take with our hearts when our life is in ruins? And ruins is open for interpretation, but you get the point. When, what, what do we do with our hearts? That's what Zechariah wants to speak to in the midst of a daunting life circumstance where you don't know where to go. Well, the words of Zechariah, let's continue. Verse 2, um, from the context, we now get into the words, and this is what Zechariah says. The Lord was very angry with your fathers, Therefore say to them, thus declares the Lord of hosts, 
Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out, Thus says the Lord of hosts, return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. When I read these three verses, what comes to mind is this phrase. Don't make the same mistakes you did yesterday. Don't make the same mistakes you did yesterday. All right, so day two, we come back from day one of laying some sealer on the parking lot. We get back on day two, and we show up, and we find that there are tire tracks in day one. I know, disheartening, right? But here's the thing. It wasn't the fault of the car. It was our fault. Maybe even the foreman. I don't know. I'll take some heat on that. But... I had made a critical error in giving direction. And you'd kind of go ahead and say what I did wrong. What did I do wrong? It was way too thick. I, I mean, I spread it on nice with all the kids helping. And I was using this metaphor like, just pretend we're icing a cake. <laughs> Maybe the wrong metaphor. And so people had driven through and we had made a mistake. Now, if we had continued doing it the same way from that point forward, how stupid would that be? So we changed, changed, and did it differently, and changed. But here's what Zechariah is telling the people who have returned from exile. Don't be like your fathers to whom the prophets cried out. Don't make the same mistakes that you did yesterday generations ago. See, this is the first step in, in writing uh, your heart to go in the right direction. Because here's what Zechariah knows, that many times our heart is on default. And we just do what the previous generations have done. We see something and we do that. And generation after generation, we keep making the same mistakes. And there's an unhealthiness when our heart is on autopilot, and we just keep going through the same motions. And Zechariah was calling them out on that. Well, what was he calling them out about? In the Old Testament, there are some historical books that give us some insight. In Second Chronicles, this is what the people were wrestling with. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. Here's the problem. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people. And what you see in the Old Testament is this phrase that's returning. They did the same evil as their fathers. They did the same evil. They, contari- they continued on that same pattern over and over again. It's too easy to do what the previous generations have done, and our hearts follow in those footsteps so, so easily. How often do we see, even in our own context of the world we live in, patterns of abuse from generation to generation, patterns of greed from generation to generation, patterns of dysfunction from generation to generation, and it's just passed on as a model. Our hearts follow after that. 
And what Zechariah is saying, no, don't be like your fathers. Don't be like your fathers. Break that, break that dysfunction of sin. All right, so along the way, as we've been studying the minor prophets, we've been asking questions that really are more of a deeper look. And my hope is that you kind of reflect on these, maybe even write a question down, and really spend time where the Lord might be probing your heart. And so here's our first question for this morning. Do we have people, or do you have people in your life who would be honest in helping you recognize a cycle of sin that you cannot see? See, I was originally writing the question to talk about, like, are there cycles of sin in our lives that we need to change? But here's the problem. We don't see it. Many times we don't see it. We need somebody from the outside to see it in us. Much like King David had Nathan. Can you believe what you just did, David? And he called him out on it. Zechariah is calling out God's people corporately. See, we need someone in our lives. Do you have people in your life who would be honest enough to say, hey, you are doing something destructive. You're doing something that isn't right. Stop this cycle. You need to do something in this moment to stop doing that. That's what Zechariah is, is telling the people. That's what he's telling us thousands of years later as well. See, this is a conversation about our hearts. If we're going to ever change our heart, we need someone to jolt us to say, okay, this, my default of doing all this has been wrong. All right, let's continue on. I think Zechariah has more for us too. Verse 5. Your fathers, he says, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? Now, commentators come to these two verses and talk about this imaginary conversation that Zechariah must have been having with the skeptics amongst them. See, Zechariah starts out by saying something like this. Um, so where are your fathers? Where are they now? And the obvious answer is they're not around any longer. But the skeptic in the crowd has his own response, uh, a one-up response. Okay, uh, yeah, our fathers are gone, but where are the prophets of God? These almighty men of God, where are they, Zechariah? They've passed away too, haven't they? To which Zechariah replies... But my words, the words of the prophets, the statutes we spoke, did they not overtake? Did they not outlast your fathers? Your fathers are gone. The prophets are gone. But the word of God will last forever. And so another warning of, for God's people in the difficult journey of shaping our hearts is this. Don't put your trust in people. Don't put your trust in people. And I'm intentionally highlighting this word of trust to speak of this deep allegiance of the heart and soul that many times is linked to personalities and people. I'm not saying you should never not trust 
people in church, but what I'm saying is that when you run into people in church that you trust and you put all of your trust, capital T, in them, they will disappoint you. They will let you down. They will make mistakes. They are prone to temptation. They will wrestle with sin. And eventually they will disappoint you. And I don't think it's any surprise that the words of Zechariah catch us in this moment, even within our own church. And so I want to pause and... um, and if you are someone who is brand new to Riverwood, um, you're going to hear some, some news. Uh, if you're someone who doesn't uh, read email sent from Riverwood, you're going to hear some news. Uh, if you're someone who all those go to a junk file, this might be news, all of those kinds of things. But we want you to know um, that effectively on Sunday evening, last Sunday, Uh, Pastor Ben Beaver resigned from his position as worship pastor here at Riverwood. And uh, we sent out a communication, but I realized everyone might not have heard it or seen it. But as opposed to me talking more about it, I want you to hear his words. Now, this is, these are Ben's words. I want you to pay close attention to what he says. He says, it is with deep sadness that I write to you today to inform you of my resignation as worship pastor effective immediately. I have developed deep and lasting relationships with many of you. Many of you. And I am thankful to our Lord for allowing me to serve you for the last nine months. This might feel like it's coming out of nowhere and I know will cause pain and questions. The pain is real. The questions are real but I want to encourage you to process them with healthy, godly leaders at Riverwood. Please don't give any foothold for rumors or gossip or drama, but rather keep it all in the light, as I want to in this letter. Our mission to love well is far too important for any of that. Know that I have loved being your worship pastor and will cherish the times we have had together in his presence. My prayer is that God uses this to draw you in closer dependency on him and his people. My calling, first and foremost, is to love Jesus and to live out his holy word. Paul describes in 1 Timothy 3-4 the standard regarding overseers. This section states that a pastor must manage his own household well. I confess before you all that I have not lived this and have given into unhealthy dysfunctions with my wife and my children. I want to be very clear that this is not sexual misconduct, not financial misconduct, not drug use, and not infidelity. Anyone who knows our story knows my issues and knows that God has healed much. Now has come for the time for more chapters of healing for Lindsay, Emery, Clive, Eleanor, Leland, and me. We are fully dependent on him. Please pray for continued wisdom, healing, and strength to fight for health. Also, please respect our family's privacy in this season of renewal. I will be off social media for a time, but will come back when the time is right. Pastor Cole, the elders and leaders have graciously decided to walk with us as we take the steps we need for health. These men have loved us well and should be trusted as vessels of God's grace. My family and I are aware of my issues, 
have a support system in place, and are taking healthy steps for professional counseling. I want you to know that I own the consequence of my unhealthy actions at home. I plead the blood of Jesus for this egregious sin and ask for wisdom in walking out the repentance I choose by God's grace. Please read 2 Corinthians 12. It truly encapsulates my struggles and my heart. The thorn is rough, but I know that these words from Jesus are greater. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This is my heart in writing this letter to you. I pray this points you to a deeper relationship with Jesus and our need for him. May my brokenness lead you into a deeper worship than songs on a Sunday. If anyone has unconfessed sin, dysfunctional habits, mental health issues, or just wants to hide behind a religious mask of everything being okay, I strongly encourage you to bring it to the light with others here at Riverwood. This intentional love will be the seed of revival. If you surrender yourself, I know God will do immeasurably more than we could all ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Love Jesus, love together, and love intentionally. Benjamin Beaver. And as you might suspect, that came as a a punch in the gut to me and for all of us here at Riverwood. Sad. So many moments that were so good, and now he's not here any longer. I know it's hurtful. I know it's disappointing, and I am right there with you. And please also know that our elder team uh, has met for many, many hours, and we are determined to walk with them for the long haul on this. Whatever it might take, uh, for Lindsay and the kids and for Ben, we are dedicated to them to do that. We want to be transparent. We want you to know these things and, and also how you can step in to pray and, and to lift up the Beaver family through this as well. So this is what Zechariah is you know, painfully bringing to light for us in this example. Um, he wants us um, to know these things about our hearts, how they're so intrinsically able to follow after people and to wrap our, our identity in Christ around figures and, and personalities. And so the second question that I'll throw out for us to wrestle with comes straight out of Zechariah is this, you know, the first one about having people who would be honest with us, but is the trust your soul is longing for linked to people? Like parents and spouse or, or a pastor or somebody else? Like the capital T trust you have in God, is it linked to another person? Like if that person did something egregious or if that person did something and walked away from faith, what would happen to you? Would you still be connected to God or would you too fall away? Great question to wrestle with from Zechariah. Don't make the same mistakes you did yesterday. Don't put your trust in people. Don't do this. Don't do that. But you might be wondering, well, what should I do? 
I know those things to stay away from, but I'm stuck in this moment, disappointment, overwhelmed. What can I do? What, what step can I take? This is where Zechariah is going to help us at a very practical level. The back half of verse 6 says this, As the Lord of hosts purposed, he says, So they repented. They repented and said, As the Lord of hosts purposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. And I wanted you to see all of these verses together because I want to highlight something, that this word return, return, return is the exact same Hebrew word as this one down here, return. This is what Zechariah is saying. For our hearts that are longing for something, he is saying, turn your heart. Take a step towards him. Don't just turn away and stop doing bad things, but it's about turning towards him and taking a step towards him. Return to him, and he will return to you. And the Hebrew word of return is also this word of repent. That's a deep theological word. This is a a word for the heart, for sure, because it's now speaking to us at this deep level that we are to repent. Take a step with your heart towards God, trusting him in the midst of the overwhelming things and the things that aren't going right. Take a step towards him. Take a step towards him. Don't trust in people. Trust him. See, I, see, I feel the same weight as well as, as someone who's, who stands on this stage. I realize that God comes and goes with people who stand here. But here's the one thing that never does leave. The word of God. His truths of what he wants us to know. And his truth is right here. The voice is right here. Repent. Stay close to him. Be with him. And this is a deeply theological word for the heart that not only is used in the Old Testament, but as we open up into the New Testament, all the major figures, uh, importance, talk about repentance. Look at this. John the Baptist says this, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus himself would say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The apostle Peter uh, would say, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul in Romans, he would say that all of this knowing Christ, uh, the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, repent, 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 turn to the Lord in the midst of your heart that's wandering. And what do you do when you're overwhelmed and anxious? Take a step towards him. This is the message of Zechariah. Don't trust in this world. Don't be trusting in the, your circumstances. They'll always change. Don't be trusting in people. They'll always let you down. Trust in the Lord. Trust his word. The thing that will stand forever. Put your faith in him. Turn your heart to his word. The God who then points us to life. 
And so in the, the next best step we can take that Zechariah tells us is that we can return to the Lord and he will return to you. And so my third question is this. You know, we were talking about people that can help us kind of call out our hearts, uh, our trust in, to people. Let's, let's write the ship on that. Our hearts are prone to following people. But here's the real question of Zechariah. Has your heart truly repented? And is it still? See, repentance isn't this thing that you did back in 1983 at a summer camp. I repented and turned to the Lord. Yes, but is your heart still chasing after him? Is it tender? Are you listening for him in his word to say, what, what do I do how do I keep walking with you? How do I keep taking steps in a world that's broken and disappointing and filled with anxiousness? Are we taking steps with him, listening and trusting, allowing him to deal with us, as Zechariah would say? You see, maybe today is that day he's asking you to stop playing the game the game of just, I'm doing it because they're doing it, and I'm just here for the ride. I, I don't even know what... If you're playing the game of church, Zechariah is calling you out to say, stop, surrender, repent, turn to the Lord. And when you turn to him, you realize, man, I am broken. How do you take the next best step if you don't have Christ? I don't know the answer to that. The Bible is so plain and so true. When you are overwhelmed and you have turned your brokenness towards him, now he has an answer. He meets us in that through his son, Jesus Christ. Zechariah would speak of that. There is one who's going to be coming riding on a donkey. There is one who is going to be uh, pierced. Zechariah speaks of that. There's one who's coming, the story. And it came true. It came true. Turn your life to him. Repent. Take that step towards him. Return to him, and he will meet you there. He will return to you, and he will be your joy. Even in the midst of a life that's seemingly upside down. I say that to all of us individually, but I also say to all of us, all of us corporately, we're going to still follow the Lord. Even when people come and go off this stage, we will follow the Lord. We will listen to his word. We'll keep preaching the gospel, the good news of repentance. Do you know this story? Have you repented yourself? If you want to know more about that, I will, I'll be here afterwards. There'll be some other people up front. If you want to digest something maybe you've heard that's troubling about what Ben is walking through, we'll have elders here too. Uh, we want to come alongside and, and be with you in this. But this is a great moment for us to stop, to ask the hard questions, and to really take a look inside. Because Zechariah wants to deal with this parking lot right here. Right here. The heart. I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to pray that God would do immeasurably more 
and that we could all ask or imagine in this moment that his spirit would bring comfort to us. Let's go to the Lord. Dear God, we um, come before you and we're broken. And none of us want to pick up the stone and, and throw it and cast it at someone else. That's not what we're about. But we're also recognizing our brother who is broken. Even in his own words, he calls out wanting for repentance. What a great word. I pray that word for Ben. I pray for his whole family, for Lindsay, for kids, that you would walk faithfully with them and allow us to play our part as a church to walk faithfully with them as well. And for all of us who are gathered here, um, we pray for our hearts, Lord. Our hearts are prone to wander. Our hearts are prone to evil. Even in Zechariah, we're, we see that we're prone to making the same mistakes that our parents have made. We're prone to linking ourselves to our favorite personalities. Break that in us. Allow us to follow you and your word and and the things that we know about you. Challenge us in that. Speak to us. We lift all of this up to you uh, to do immeasurably more than we could even ask or imagine. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.